Hi, this is Sir Flobogen Thunderhammer. And I'm King Cabbage Tidehammer. And this is Whack. We got a couple of serious ones uh, under our belt. I slept with the king. And you become the champion day one and walk out. I'm surprised your beards didn't get Velcroed together. Explain that. No, you have to explain. I have a clue. That's why. Some sort of LARP thing. I survived that. I'm, I'm not going to murder you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Whacked, where we discuss topics important to the Kingdom of Winter's Edge, interview the AmpGuard community at large, and talk with interesting people from around the foam fighting world. Today we have with us Rabbit. Rabbit is a longtime member and often leader of Dragon's Hollow in Middle Tennessee. Today we'll talk to Rabbit about his experience at one of the largest parks in the Kingdom of Winter's Edge, and we'll learn, we'll learn if there's a secret to their success we can all emulate. Today we have with us Rabbit. Hey guys. Oh, thanks hey, for joining us. Doing, man? doing good, doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to jump right into it. Um, you and I actually played forever ago. I don't know if we started uh, around the same time, but I certainly remember you in my early days of Anthgard. I think I think we both got our start in 7.0. Yeah, uh, definitely somewhere in the 7 series um, for my big my big gap. Right. And and as far as I've always known, you've always played Bard, right? That is, I mean, you know, back when Bard had Mimic and all of these other things, you were playing it even then. Yeah. Uh, it's It's been my main squeeze for about almost 11 years now. Pretty much about three, three months after I got into the game. Jeez, That's when I started playing it. Before that, I just played Warrior because it was a basic, hey, until I found out what I wanted to do. When so, all, all well of those times decade. that you were running polearm, was that that wasn't Bard in seven O, right? That was Warrior, or was that was that Bard as well? Uh, it it really depended. Um, when I ran polearm, it was going to be mainly for non class games. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. as I got leveled up, I would mimic, um, and I would either mimic like Warrior, Monk, or Barbarian. I was uh, trying to figure out what what I liked would uh, work for me. But if it could take a pole and cast magic, I was going to use it. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, so I, I got to ask, um, you're, you're playing Bard um, actually pretty recently as of the last two years. Uh, was one of the things that got me into Bard. You actually, I don't know if you know this, you got me so heated in a battled game because you kept awing me that I was like, I'm going to play Bard now. Like that sucks so <laughs> bad that I'm going to start doing that. Um, I, I wanted to... to in, you know, inspire the same level of rage. But I got to ask, um, what keeps you playing Bard today? Because I know compared to 7.0, Bard's been pretty nerfed. What is what is it that keeps bringing you to the class? Uh, Really, I mean, yeah, Bard, Bard's been nerfed. I think they got like a tiny buff in the 7 series when they're like, hey, you can do this one thing now. But uh, when 8 came out, they're like, here's what we like about Bard and we're getting rid of it all. Um, but as far as that... <laughs> yeah. They're a really nice support class. They're not a specialized, so I feel like if you're familiar with Final Fantasy, they're like the mm -hmm. red mage or the blue mage of the amp guard field, and it's like we don't have enough of those, and if you have one that knows what they're doing and be a really good support player, your team can go further just because they've got that well-roundedness. Got an amp guard blue mage would be so broken. For people that don't know, the blue mage steals abilities from other characters that use them. So I could get hit by a, a fireball, and then the next life I come around, I could use the fireball. I would love that. Uh, it would be pure chaos on the field, but man, that could be a lot of fun. Do you think we could do that as like a monster class? I'd have a pole arm. I'd have a fireball. I'd have like fifty shoves. Isn't that just what Rabbit played on a on a weekly basis? I. Yeah, you're right. I seem to remember that being pretty we much. We circle back around. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> no, so if what were some of the changes from seven oh to eight oh that you liked? We we talked about uh it got a little bit of a nerf there, but was there anything about the class that you really liked after the update? Um, the whole experience um thing to where you can charge stuff, that was really nice. Uh one of my favorite ones to use is a, a level four ability called terror. And because it's a death school, barbarians can't come near you to some degree. So I like to use that 
and surround myself with my teammates because it not only protects me, it protects my teammates and it makes them upset, especially if they're trying to come in and, you know, wreck havoc. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've also seen you um, do something that I don't often see people do, usually because in the moment they don't, they don't think to do it, but I have seen you greater release a barbarian in Fight After Death, which is one of the funniest things ever. Um, do you have any other like secret bard tricks that work that we don't ever think of that you could like impart to bard players? Mostly me. Uh, off top of my head, no. I mean, I've, I've got in in the spellbook app. I've got so many different lists um, for for different combinations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try and do a lot of the same to some degree. Really, it's just knowing who you're fighting, how they like to fight, mm-hmm. and then what could counter them. Okay. So you, you are correct with the bar trying or barbarian trying to rage. You greater release them, and everything is gone. Granted, you've already got some of your teammates running away, but you don't know how many lives you can have right. saved. Yeah, absolutely. This is made even more fun because you're at a, a larger park. And we've mentioned it a couple of times on the show now, but you got to have people to get people. Or I think that you say the curb appeal. Yeah, the, I refer to it as the curb appeal quite often. Maybe yeah. too much. Talk to me about the growth of Dragon's Hollow. You guys are a duchy, and if I'm not mistaken, in one of the polls that was taken a couple years back, you were one of the largest groups, weekly attendance groups, in the entire game. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. Before everything uh, happened with COVID-19, I believe we hit top eight. We were the eighth largest group on a... I, I don't know how they did the measure, mm-hmm. Um but we were the eighth largest group in all of AmpGuard. Wow. Um, and to say, oh, there's a special, you know, we do this great or we do that great, it's really not. Um, we're between a college town and a military town, and so you've got people that enjoy the medieval aspect, people that enjoy the roleplay aspect, but the one thing that everybody likes to do is have camaraderie and friendship. And that's really where it goes is because everybody has fun. They'll tell their friends about it and it's nothing that no other part can do. It's just, we've been, we've been grateful over the years of how we've grown because I've been in days where it's like winter and snow and there's just me and one other person to 60 people showing up. Right. Well, so, I mean, it it sounds to me though, like the location is a big, boon to your park just because of where it's located between Mm -hmm. that the military base and everything else would it i don't know a good way to phrase this question if your park was 15 miles in one direction and you knew that you knew that being in between those two locations where you are would be more beneficial would you move your park like like for example if i told you right now that if you moved your park 20 minutes west and you would get 10 more members overnight is that something you would do, or is it hard harder to move a park, and is it not worth the effort? Uh, believe it or not, in the decade that I've been playing and solely all at this park, right. we've switched parks a few times. We used to play on uh, Austin P campus in a couple different spots there, and that's when we had some low numbers. Uh, but there wasn't, you know, anything crazy. We've we played it when uh, a local park opened up. Right. We played there, and it had a lot of very good view, but the shade was not there at all. And then after a while, the parking got abysmal. Um, so we've actually changed parks. There's actually like a 20-minute drive between what we call our summer park and our winter park. And we even have some people drive from a couple of the closest towns. So we have some people that drive about 35, 40 minutes just to get to our park weekly. So, so not only, you know, is it, is it sometimes worth moving your park, but you actively do it and have done it. And it's, it's kind of worked out for you. And believe it or not, we actually go the opposite of what you would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, in the winter, we go to the park that gets really busy during the summer, mainly because of parking Fair. and because of rental space. And 
in the summer we go to the park that's kind of like you have to look for us. Right. So you'd think when more people would be out, we'd want to go to the more populated park for view. Well, we actually use that for the winter park because it has more cover, and we've been really lucky. It has a built-in fireplace under the pavilion, so we kind of – we'll put fires out there. So for the people that don't fight, uh, for the colors that just watch, they'll be by the fire. We'll have, like, s'mores or something. You know, somebody will bring random food, and, you know, we'll just have a gathering there. That's good. I I actually – so I went to visit them. Me and Teflon and Lexi went up to visit them for – I think it was just, it was a winter tournament or maybe just a visit. And they had a large group of kids that were out. The kids were all roasting marshmallows. They had a couple of adults around, you know, helping the younger kids out and making sure that people were taken care of. People had brought potluck stuff. Uh, This touches on something else that your park does, but you guys do an organized potluck occasionally. Is it once a month or once every couple months or something like that? Uh, for, for a while, what we would do is we'd be it would be on the kind of like the potluck day. Um, the winner would choose the next month's dish theme, or you know, oh. if it's like a main type of ingredient. So we would judge whoever made the best dish for that month, and then the following month they would go, okay, well, I want it to be this theme. Sometime we'd have you know like an Asian theme, so everybody would bring something of those dishes. Sometimes it would be a, uh, you know, try and, or, you know, put in like somebody would say, Oh, I want, I want ham, you know, like pig, you know, so you'd see a lot of bacon dishes some ham dishes, you know, something. Yeah. Right. Oh, that sounds, that sounds amazing. The, uh, so it's, I, I want to just circle back around to this because I think this is something that we haven't really talked about before. And, in this conversation, it really has become clear that it's important. Park location matters, and you should not be afraid to move your park. And as a matter of fact, one of the larger parks moves at least once a year from summer to winter, if I've understood you, and then has moved your park multiple times uh, over the course of its history. That's awesome. Yeah. As as we've grown, we've had we've literally outgrown a couple parks and we've got set month time periods of when it kind of cools down and when it picks back up that's when we have these organized hey we'll be at summer park or hey we'll be at winter park during these time frames and that's just because of you know making sure that we have ample parking making sure that you know we're not impeding on other um patrons of the park you know we we don't want to take up the whole thing because it's a park so we can't say oh we're you know we're here every sunday this yeah. is our park no we we definitely want to you know be uh thankful of everybody that's in the city that goes to those parks also yeah absolutely and if a, if a park as big as yours can be as agile as it has been um it should only be easier for smaller parks. I mean, there's always a challenge, but well, I grew speaking. up in a time where people were moving parks was a really scary thing because part of your retention was people, older members coming back out. Right. Yeah. And you know, if you're a monarch, you're listening to this right now. Uh, we don't live in that time anymore, right? We have Facebook. It's easy to communicate with people and let them know we've moved parks or, you know, we're moving to our summer park or, or whatever. I think that right, and you can also update your park's entry on the Orc and, and subsequently the Ampguard Atlas, and it will reflect for anybody looking to find you. So I think it's easier to find your park now than it was, uh, you know, not all that long ago. Yeah, very cool, yeah. Dragon's Hollow. Very cool, very cool. Uh, yeah, Facebook is definitely a, a big thing. We've got a Dragon's Hollow Facebook group chat, mm-hmm. um, and some of our our early birds that that don't understand the amp guard standard time uh-huh. uh there there are scouts so sometimes if the pavilions are overtaken they'll update us in the group chat um a few years ago when tennessee had a a bad winter uh they were actually locking down parks well because where we live it's like a stone throw away from the kentucky line some of our park members are kentucky members well, there's a park that we've used a few times. Well, Kentucky didn't shut down their parks, so we told everybody, hey, if you still want to have a park, there's going to be a few of us. Granted, we only had 
10, 15 people, which doesn't sound like a lot for our park, but it's, it's real big for other parks. But we had people still show up on those snow days at those certain parks. Um, all we had to do was say, okay, we're going to be in Kentucky today at a, this, you know, which is our backup, backup park. Right. I won't tell rising winds. It's cool. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. No, they'll, they'll get, uh, they'll get raided and they won't even know what's happening. Yeah. Right. They, right. I want to pick up on the, uh, the theme of like, wow, really big park. Um, because I know, you know, Dragon's Hollow, as big as it is, you've got a lot of members. And it seems like sometimes the the rest of the kingdom can sometimes butt heads with some members of your park, if not your park as a whole. I know sometimes on the unmod boards, we'll see people just drag Dragon's Hollow. And I've I've never understood it. Um, I maybe, you know, I, I did take a break from the game as we talk about frequently on the podcast. Um, so I assume things have happened. But like, what is the... I guess what is the the reason for it, and what do you think can be done to ease that tension? Because as a as a monarch looking at this, I see a really big park in our kingdom, kind of getting dunked on by some players, and I don't know how to stop it. Really, it's it's very it's very hard. Um, when our park had a a big big issue with the kingdom and. Uh, some of the forms and when they were changing up waivers, I was also on the, the board of directors. I was the president of the board of directors for winner's edge at oh, the time wow. and being the longest, you know, reigning member of dragon's hollow. It, it was almost like a personal battle, but you have to keep business and pleasure differentiated. So what I could do, the only thing that I could do is kind of go to my park and say, Hey guys, this is what's going on. It, I was like, please don't say anything stupid. Don't try and go, cause fights. Believe in me. I'm working on this. You know, let me handle this. Really, oh, man. It's, it's really hard because when people get their park that, you know, they love, they're, they're friends, you know, and they're literally, you know, getting belittled by others. Yeah. You know, two people may not like each other personally. They'll be pleasurable. They, you know, most people are adults and can be acting like adults and right. not make, you know, a fool of themselves in front of everybody, especially at kingdom events. But when it comes to the boards and, you know, they won't private message. They'll just spew everything out in front of everybody as long as it's online. Right. Um, but when it comes to like being in a leadership role and then having your park getting, you know, not really yelled at, but a lot of people bashing your park for various different things. You got to try and be an adult about it as best as possible. Yes. And it's really hard not to just kind of go, Oh, you want to throw mud? I can throw mud. Sometimes you just got to learn to just shut your mouth and just go, okay, just let them make a fool of themselves. Right. And, and by and large, when I see those conversations happening on, you know, um, it, it doesn't happen as frequently anymore, but on places like the manatee boards, I do typically see dragons hollow being the more restrained in, in the argument. But I admit with all of the, the meme and off topic boards, I kind of stay away from those. Um, and that's a question I had for you as a, as a up. So the, um, the position of myself and, and certainly of Amthgard international is that, on any official Amthgard board, whether that's your kingdom page, that is, uh, you know, a Amthgard discussion page, anything like that, you're supposed to to treat people like you would in real life. That means no behind the keyboard warriors, nothing like that. So it's obviously different on the meme boards. If you've ever gone to Boffers and Blasphemy, it's um, yeah, well, it's a rough place. It's fun sometimes, but it's it's a rough place, and people get their feelings hurt. Do you feel like those boards help or hurt? Because that is where I see the most, um, I guess, the most mud being thrown. Part of it wants to say, okay, sometimes these are funny. Sometimes, you know, some of the meme boards um, are funny. But then some of it can be extremely toxic. Right. Uh, myself, I got out of quite a bit of boards uh, besides some official ones. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not just AmpGuard related. It was in general Facebook related, like the town pages and stuff like that, because I could feel the negativity overtaking and it would just make my personal days be terrible. So 
in order to get better, you have to self-care. You have to go, no, I can't be on these. It doesn't make me better. You, you know, some sometimes the memes are funny, but overall, if you dive too hard into anything, you're going to get attached to it too too hard. And on these meme boards, they can get very toxic very fast. Right. And, it, you know, and you can say, oh, we've got mods modding things. But then, of course, just like in any world ideal you've got clicks so the mods will allow this one person to post but not these others because of personal clicks so honestly i don't think they're great for the game but you know i'm not your dad so i can't tell you how to live (laughs) well i also think those those mods are volunteers so even if they were perfectly balanced and and made the right choice every time, it might be 12 hours before they get around to making that that right choice, whatever that happens yeah. to be. But this is something that I have, have long thought, is that these, these meme boards as they exist actually hurt the game because the implication, if you talk to anyone about them, it's always, oh, it's just memes, it doesn't matter, we go in there to shit talk, and none of this is, none of this is real. But the problem is people go into those boards and they come out with real hurt feelings. The the hurt yeah. feelings, I, I hate yeah. to say, you know, I hate to make it an argument of, oh, my feelings, but they come out with uh, with these hurt feelings, these wounded egos, and that doesn't go away when they close the Facebook page. That follows them to Park the next week. That might follow mm-hmm. them to the Kingdom page the next time that particular person that insulted them makes a post. So if we lived in a perfect world where these meme boards could be, uh, you know, contained... I mean, it's fine, but it they don't live in a vacuum. Whenever you talk to people about them, they act as though they are completely in a vacuum and everything that happens there stays there. It's like Las Vegas, but it's not. The things that happen exactly. in the meme board follow you out and they make it into real Amphgard. And that's where I, I guess I have a problem with it. I mean, I don't, like I said, I'm subscribed to them because sometimes things happen I need to see. But beyond that, yeah. I don't look but yeah. for the very same reason you don't. Well, I mean, this is... This has been a big sticking point for me for a long time, and I'm I'm gonna play the boomer card here in an in a non funny way. Yeah, like in a non funny way. I don't know if it's just a generational gap thing, but there are people that will go on, and maybe this is an internet problem as a whole, but especially on the meme boards, and just say some things that I think are terrible, hateful, vile things to say to somebody. And then the next time that I see them at an event or out at park or something, you know, they come up and they want to, to clasp my arm and give me a hug and say, Hey Flo, how you doing? Stuff like that. I, I'm doing fine, man, but I don't, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to shake your hand. You said some terrible things about friends of mine. Yeah. I don't think that's a boomer thing, but you are a boomer. Um, (laughs) I don't, yeah, I don't actually think that's a boomer thing. I, I have very much the same the same thing. Actually, this happened pretty recently, um, although by the time this podcast comes out, it won't be recent. Um, there was a big, like, 400-long comment chain in Boffers and Blasphemy, which is kind of the international AmpGuard meme page. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, and there was, uh, there was a person, I don't remember names, saying some really transphobic shit. Uh, it, was, it was a pretty bad conversation, and I got called in, because they were from Alabama, which is, you know, our territory. Yep. So me and the monarchy team did the research. We found out this person doesn't play AmpGuard. They play another boffer sport, um, but they're not part of AmpGuard. And so ultimately, the monarchy team, uh, we decided not to, you know, preemptively ban this player. It wouldn't do anything. You know, it would just mean they never get to play AmpGuard. But we decided that because it happened on a meme page where, you know, the idea is that you can say whatever you want and be kind of mean and certainly be non-politically correct. We, we didn't have any authority there. Um, but what I did do, and this is something that I learned that I think in general, the AmpGuard International Circle of Monarchs is kind of tepid about stepping onto those meme pages yeah. because you either get ridiculed out or, you know, you, you just wind up mired in controversy. Well, there's almost this idea like if I get mad or frustrated or call you out on some like hideous shit that you said that I'm the one that has lost this game that's being played. Right. You You got mad. And so you lost the meme game. Yeah. You you got mad. You lost. Well, 
I did though. Right. I, I stepped in because they were saying some truly awful stuff, like just absolutely not cool. But they didn't yeah, play Amp Guard. It's a meme terrible. page. So I stepped yeah. in and I said, "Hi, person whose name I've already forgotten. Um, you don't play Amp Guard, and you are not on a page where I control. But you live in my kingdom's territory." And while boffers and blasphemy may agree with the horrible things that you're saying, and they may not care to moderate any of your content, I want you to know you are more than welcome to come to my kingdom and play Amped Guard. But if you ever say those things in my kingdom, it will not stand. I am watching you. I see what you are doing. And at least for a little bit before the flames kicked back up, it actually really did help to quiet the thread. Um, I did not get laughed out of BNB like I thought I would. Um, and and all the, the the player who initially reported, who was the one being attacked with the transphobic slurs, was actually really happy without how that had been handled. No ban yeah. had to be levied. So that is um, if you're on the uh, Amtgard International Circle of Monarchs, don't be mm-hmm. afraid to put your foot in there and into these meme pages and say, "Hey, cut it out. That's not cool," because you you just might find some level of success with it if if your cause is I'm going to say righteous, but there's probably a better word. If you are doing the right thing, I think the players, even on a meme page, will recognize that. Yeah, and if I could just add to that, it, you don't have to be a monarch to do something like that. You know, Rabbit's been in the game for a while. Rabbit's name carries weight, especially to people that see him every single week. Flo's been in the game for a while. King Cabbage has been in the game for a while. Even if you don't have any of those uh, titles in front of your name, you can still call people out on bullshit if you think that what they're doing is is bullshit. And weight of personality sometimes can have the exact same effect, you know? Yeah, I, I just think it yeah. coming from a, um, from a position of, you know, I am an authority figure. I can do something about this. This is your warning is, is something that's powerful. And, you know, don't be afraid to step into those, you know, for all monarchs out there, don't be afraid to step into those, those quote unquote meme pages and, and kind of put your foot down. You may not own the page. You may not control the the discussion, but you can make a difference there if things are getting out of hand. Yeah. I, I think a lot of it just comes down to being like a good, a good person, which once again, not everybody is, and especially for every <laughs> local, it's it's like especially if it's like your park, somebody may say something, or your kingdom, especially on you know, you got to remember, it, at least in the foam world, I may not know people. I've seen their names, you know, in some of the local areas. You may meet them a couple times in an event, and you know, go, oh hey, I, I've seen your name. You know, these are all people that come together. For the, team, uh, for the same type of sport, and that's just to hit each other. Yeah. yeah you know, absolutely. so it's like there's there's at least one small common ground. Not everybody's going to have the same ideals or, you know, politics thinking, you know, and that's, that's where a lot of, you know, oh, you got to keep religion and politics out of it because those are two of the biggest talking points that can get into heated discussions. So it's like, you know, I like you as a person. We're not going to talk about these two other things because I want to talk about what we both have in common interests, especially if you're going to the events with them. It's like, what are you, what are you going to do? You, you're going to swing foam, hit each other, have fun, because that is your time away from the real world. You don't want to bring more of the real world into it because then you're going to have a bad weekend, and you don't want that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And to piggyback off of what you just now said... Hopefully, we're going to be coming out of COVID soon. God, I hope. Yeah. In the next couple of months, I think that we'll see some things returning to normal. Whether they should be or not yet, I think that we're we're going to see that happening, right? Once COVID's over, do you have any plans? Are you thinking... Now, in in this hypothetical, let's say that it is now safe to move around, right? I know that you have kids and that's a worry too, but let's say that vaccines come out or you know some time has passed where it's now safe to do these things are you wanting to to do any travel do you have any plans to go around and visit parks what does rabbit do in a post-covid world uh in a post-covid world i mean pre-covid i had planned to go to rackus this year with some of the company company mates to go meet the other company mates in colorado we've got about half of our group in colorado uh it's been a couple of years since i went and it was going to be this year, and I'm like, oh, it's going to be great. We're going to get the boys together. You know, just 18 hours of driving is terrible. 
Kansas alone <laughs> is just terrible. But you know, for a week of of you know wacky bats with with the with the crew, it was going to be like, yeah, I was looking forward to it. And then everything, then the Fire Nation attacked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, I I take it step by step. I do have kids. Um, they're getting older by the day, you know. So um, depending on the site and the location, you know, they may want to go. They may want a day trip. Um, I don't try and and venture out too far. Um, but events definitely are like where that's going. Um, whenever they happen, there's, there's been a couple sites that I want to go to. They're typically a little further of a drive, but I'm like, you know, I kind of want to go out there at least once just to say I've been there and check it out. And that's just within the kingdom. Right. Yeah. Hey, what company are you in? Uh, I'm actually one of the, the, the founding members of the Zodiac Primals. Oh, okay. Uh, our colors are purple, dark blue, like essentially navy and silver. Um, we kind of follow the once again, this is Final Fantasy lore, you know, the zodiac signs right. and then primals. The primals are essentially what most people refer to as the the aeons or summons, um, things like that. I took a lot of it from the Final Fantasy Tactics, yeah, um, with the the primals and in the birthstones. So we we do those colors. But um, our colors are based on like the night sky, so it's like a per like a dark purple, dark blue, and then you've got silver for the stars. Um, we're mainly focused class game because we go, hey, we're not the best at stick, uh, like some of these other uh, high caliber fighting companies. But we've got it in the class game because we like to uh, synergize in that, and just you know, you can be really good at stick. But if somebody awes you, somebody terrors you, you can't hit them if you can't get close. And that's yes, that's I'm painfully aware. <laughs> so that's so you can probably outstick me, but if you can't get near me, just keep walking backwards. This has always been one of the big distinguishing things between AmpGuard and some of the other boffer-based games, right? Belagar, Thagger here, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it, we have this system in place where. On your first day out, you can be taught how to shove someone or, you know, when we were talking about V7 earlier. Shove being mm-hmm. the spell shove, just, just so that we're all completely yeah. clear. <laughs> the spell oh, shove. I messed that up. The, uh, you, you can <laughs> shove someone, the spell shove, or, you know, we were talking about V7 earlier. You can, someone can teach you back in that day how to call lightning down on someone, which was a really quick spell. And you could pick the best fighter on the field and kill them instantly. You, you instantly become the hero of your team in the class system that amp guard has. It's always been, I think one of the things that have drawn people to us. And I think that it's cool that your fighting company has said, we're going to make this our, our niche. You know, if we, we may not ever place first in a tournament, but we will destroy you in every battle game that we we ever participate in. Well, hey, so uh, are you guys playing Phoenix League? I guess. Oh, good uh, question. We did, believe it or not, when I went to Rackus a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. uh, out of the, I want to say, four teams that they had out of 200 people, which it sounds small, we were actually the only team in the standardized must-have you know, a uniform to some degree because we all had our, but our, you know, our company colors on. Right. Um, we did about half and half, half of our Tennessee crew, half of the Colorado crew. We did lose the only match we got in, but oh. it was, it was uh, Sir Michael hammer of God and his, and his the tiger company. Yeah. Okay. It, it was, it was like a hand picked, you know, like we're like, Hey guys, let's have some fun. We're going to do things as a company. And we're playing on all Imhog mode. We're like, yeah. oh, <laughs> oh, we're in danger. But we had fun, and that's that was really the aspect of it. I'm sorry, Mikey, um, if I missed the name of your company up. I think it's Tiger Tiger Company or Tiger. Clan. Yeah, I believe it was Tiger. Um, but you know, they had a lot of they had they had Paragons, they had Sword Knights, and it was like, <laughs> well, 
let's just have fun. Yeah. So one last question on that. How did half of your fighting company end up in Colorado? Uh, one of the old um, Nashville players from Emerald Academy had moved up to the Colorado area. And he's like, guys, can I? And we're like, yeah, of course. So when he moved up there to go back home, he started his own branch, if you will. Okay, yeah, so, that's really cool. You know, so he, you know, so there's the Colorado Zodiacs, and we're known as the Tennessee Zodiacs, even though a couple of our members are technically living in Kentucky. But <laughs> that's really cool. Well. You are um you are a page to uh, a guy that we all know we're all we're all buds with him. He was actually one of the people who sort of kicked our butts into gear to to make this podcast happen. You're page to Subway, right? Yes, Subway uh, a Footlong, great name. Um, we we talk to him a lot, but I I kind of want to get your take and and also maybe some dirt on the guy. Um, <laughs> he's he's got a lot of of useful advice. Um, it seems like you've got a good you know belt line to look up to. What's it like being page to him though? Um, I mean, he's got, he's got a lot of advice. He's, you know, he's a normal, busy dad. So I don't pester him daily, especially during, you know, these times. Um, but whenever I have, you know, just general questions on various things, I, I do go to him for mentorship. Um, you know, sometimes I've, I've actually gone down to your guys' parks just random blue crashed on his couch, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and so that way I can get in some, some good training time with him and, you know, mentorship, just, you know, goofing around a little. Um, so he's, he's one of those few people that kind of believed in me early on because as my age now and where I started with the game, my maturity level, you know, before kids and everything, I, I was just, you know, post army kid, you know, like, Oh, I'm hot shit. Now I'm just a fat dad. <laughs> I so. you you have hurt me on a spiritual level. And it's not okay. because you said something mean, it's because you said something agonizingly true for me as well. All right, well I I await your meme post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Catch me in boffers and blasphemy. I'm calling you out. Okay. So what's it like being in uh, a belt line. What does that mean to you? What does the relationship between you and the other people in your belt line represent? You're, it's it's you and then Subway and then I think his knight is Sir Shalazar, right? Yes. Yeah. And then I've got my own page. Who's your um, page? Uh, my page is Lauren Shea Foot, Footlong. She's one of our locals. Oh, okay. Um, so she has met Subway, went to, to Knoxville. We did a day trip up there. Um, it's it's weird, but it's not. I don't like to say, oh, this is how my belt line is. How's yours? It's different. Um, I like the fact that my belt line is, in this case, it's got, you know, a, almost like a straight line to some extent. Right. Um, I, I don't like too many branches branch out. So it's like, yes, I know there's belt cousins and sisters and stuff. Uh-huh. You know, there's some people that just, they'll they'll belt loads of people and I'm like, I don't know how they do it because to me, it's like, I want to give that person plenty of dedicated time. Um, and that's, that's what I really like about my belt line is because granny, you know, I've been in the game a decade. I don't have too many questions, but I do have that strong, uh, the, the strong mentors that'll just, you know, Tell me when I'm being stupid. Put me in place, you know. Kind of, you know, like a, a really good mentor should be like, hey, I support you on this, but I think you're being dumb, and this yeah. is why. And put, like, another outside set of eyes on it when I'm thinking of doing something for some various reason. Yeah. And I think that's very uh, important is you want to have somebody that you know, support you, but also won't be afraid to check you yeah. before you wreck yourself. <laughs> I think that's a really good point. And also on a, on a more selfish note, I, I am very much the same way um, when it comes to, you know, being, uh, you know, I, I asked Flo for a belt because I knew that he was doing things that I wanted to become good at. 
And and so I, I sort of, you know, I, I chose my Pokemon. I mean, Flo ultimately had the yes or no say in that. But I, I did very much the same thing because I said, there's a guy that's doing exactly what I want to be doing. How do I get good at it? Can I learn from him? But on a, on a much more selfish note, if somebody puts me in another Facebook group with 50 people, like some of those belt lines have, I will go insane. <laughs> you know, you get into the, the belt line that has the belt cousins and the, the belt grand belt, whatever. And, and it's, yeah, it's, it's like, like, this is, this is my belt cousin three times removed. It's like, especially if they're four kingdoms over, it's like, I, I may say hi to them in chat, you know, but it's like, they can't, you know, the only thing that's going to happen is your phone's going to blow up from all those notifications. Right. And they're going to do it at three in the morning, sending you weird SpongeBob memes when you're trying to sleep and you've got work in three hours. Are we in the same belt line chats? I oh, mean, no. outside of our own. Oh the, no, it's it's funny because there are predominantly two schools of thought on belting, and I'm not here to say that one of them is better than the other, but the one that I use is better. the <laughs> the first The first one, the first one is, and. This is something that we picked up when we started going down to the Kingdom of Neverwinter in Florida. We were talking to people that had been around the game for a long time, and we were all very young. And when I say we, I'm referring to Mystic Glade at this time. And the people down there largely held to the belief that you only take as many squires either as you have belts so if you only had one belt, you'd only have one squire. Or at least that you only take as many squires as you think you could comfortably assist. Right? So you have situations where, you know, my knight, Stinkfoot, had, I think there was two or three of us, uh, two or three squires at one point. And because he felt comfortable that he would be able to assist in the growth of that many people. Right? And the other school of thought is... What I'm going to say is an older school of thought in AmpGuard, and it is that, you know, you have a lot of people in your belt line. This grew from a time where you would have belt lines that all camp together. So you'd have a whole tent city. And, you know, using use an example, Rabbit, you'd have the footlong city, which I really want to see now. In um, my mind, it smells terrible. <laughs> I used to work in a subway, so I, I used to work at a subway. You can't. You can't unsmell the things I've smelled. But you would have these situations where you would just have a huge group of people that were all in the same belt line and sit around the fire, tell stories with your with your knight and your grand knight and your great grand knight and all of these other things. And there is an aspect of that that I'm really drawn to. I think that it's cool to be able to have a, a community like that, I guess is a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, as a knight, I don't feel like that I would be able to do that very well. Uh, when I jokingly said that my way is better, what I really mean is that, you know, I, I couldn't have five or six or seven squires because I don't think that I would be able to handle that many. I mean, just having Teffy and you is is about all I can take care of. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, was, I was about to say, it's just, you've, you've definitely picked some poison. Hey, hold on, <laughs> that hurts my feelings. But... But yeah, and to circle this back around, Rabbit, I think that you were kind of expressing that same sentiment that, you know, while there's a there's this idea that having the huge belt line does come with some cool things as well, the having a smaller one, having a what I'll call, I guess, a more intimate belt line also has the advantage of more time with your knight and more one-on-one -on -one and more personal assistance. And yeah. I'm sure we're going to get hate comments from knights out there. They're like, that's not how that works. But I mean, I'd love to hear their opinion. I don't, I don't think there's one right opinion on this, but I, I can see the merit of it. Um, so, so just point blank to you. Um, what, what would it mean for you for Subway to become Sir Subway? It would, it would mean definitely a lot for me. Um, I don't want to say I'd cry because I can't tell my emotions, but definitely it'd be like one of the bigger parts of my life. Um, 
because, like I said, with me being the game so long, he's been the one person that I've looked up to for, like, the decade. Right. You know, he's one of those people It's like, why doesn't he have a belt now? But if he just pushes it and push it, like, we can push it, but if it almost becomes, like, a pity belt, mm. then, you know, it would it would be... You know, so it's like I I actually look forward to that to that day, but there's there's plenty of days of people that I think you know, not just a belt, but getting like the the recognition and the rewards they deserve for what they've done. Yeah. Um, because you know I'm not saying you know candy awards or you know some things are harder, but if you look at our kingdom by comparison to some other kingdoms, it's it definitely has taken people longer just to get the same acknowledgement as some of the other people that are doing a half or a third of the time. And it's like, it's true. Why haven't they been recognized? And you know, but then you also got to think about it. It's like, well, if we recognize so many people at one time, that takes the, you know. The, the intimacy out of it, you know, there are some kingdoms, you know, that may belt two people at the same event, right. not saying they both don't deserve it, but a knighting is almost like a wedding in my eye. It's about that, that person. It's their now, special, their special it's, moment. It's, yeah. it's their day. Mm-hmm. I can you agree know, with it's, that. It's, it's the day that they've gone years of, you know, essentially second work to achieve mm-hmm. it's that final promotion yeah and i mean so in defense of some kingdoms that have been around a whole lot longer than ours it could be a logistical problem where you have so many people that are qualling at that point that mm-hmm. to do one at a time would mean that knighthoods would get pushed out years and years i, I don't know because it, our kingdom is so young exactly right? Well, I can I can say that with all of the um with all of the COVID stuff, we're getting there. There are four nightings on my plate that I've had to push off because of events getting canceled. Where we were going to do one nighting per event, and we had kind of staggered that out. And I mean, there's only more people coming in, right? And those nights, yeah. those nightings, you know, we've got four that the next time there's an event, we're gonna pick you know a night and we're gonna do it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like. You can only do so much. The world's not perfect. You got different, you know, and not only are you having to get ready for that event, but you have to make sure that they can make those events also. So you've got to definitely, you know, schedule schedule those out enough. And like I said, you know, two, three, four, you know, five nightings at one event. I'm not saying each one is, you know, not recognized or not deserved and definitely it comes onto your, your person count, you know, but... Once again, to me, it's just like a smaller belt line, you know, smaller, smaller nightings per event. But, you know, when you've got so many people that are great, absolutely, you know, got to do what you can do. Yeah. And I'm with you. I have seen it done where I thought that it was done well. Look, Gowen and Sir Gowen and Sir Stinkfoot, my knight, both got their, I think it was their crown belts at the same time. And it was planned that way. They, yeah. The the kingdom did something that was kind of sneaky. I thought it was kind of funny too. They told Sir Stinkfoot that Gowen was getting his belt, and they told Sir Gowen that Stinkfoot was getting his belt, but not the other didn't know. Yeah. So, yeah, they. <laughs> no. Yeah, they. They called them up. They called them up, and they're like, "Oh, oh, you two, we're gonna do the thing." Did they did they both make knighting gifts for each other? Was it one of those they like did. I got you a chain, and the other one's like I got you a chain? They they did. They actually <sighs> uh, they actually threw them at each other uh, at the ceremony, <laughs> if I remember. Like ah. Uh. So that was that was my flow story for this yeah, for this podcast. And, and with me knowing those two people and how close they are and things like that, yeah, I get it why they would do that. You know that that works out spectacularly for their characters themselves. Yeah. I think it is a, is a, a, a right circumstances, right time kind of thing. Yeah, let the people choose, right? Yeah. So I, I told my little story there. If I could hit you up for one rabbit, 
I know that you've been in the game for a while now. Tell me a funny amp guard story and please don't incriminate anyone. Uh, incriminate someone. It's funnier. <laughs> uh, um, it's funny. This is the, this is the most yeah, difficult, is, easy question that we ask. Yeah. It really is because like I've been hit in the head so many times in life that it's like, <laughs> as, as long as it plays out there, it's like, yeah, cool. I can't remember it though. Um, I, I would honestly just say um, there was there was one that really sticks out with me and it as you were saying you know with some of the old magic and things like that they had certain criteria that you had to do um, and, I, and I'll just say it was uh, it was a Johnny and he was playing Druid and he was gonna do call lightning yeah well first he didn't have his hands empty and so we called him out while he's trying to cast you know he, he did the cast and we're like your hands weren't empty it doesn't count. And he's like, okay, fine. So then he like threw his gear down. Then he did it again, but with the finger guns. Well, in the <laughs> rule books, it said specifically you have to have your hands raised above your head. And then we called him out again. We're like, hey, your hands weren't <laughs> above your head on that one. It doesn't count. And he's like, all right, screw it. I'm done. And he's like, I'm, I'm not trying anymore. <laughs> so it's like, he, and it's some of those things that we're like, are we going to tell him? It's like, we'll just tell him after he's done casting, thinking he did it. Um, and, and I think that's happened with like a lot of different spells, um, for some of the older stuff. It's like, oh, you've got to have one of these items or you have to be doing this specifically. Yeah. The wind must be blowing from the East at exactly 12 knots. Yeah. It, is, it, is wind exactly. Knots? I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure it could be. I don't see why not. Um, so it, it's things like that. It's like those really cool friends that you're like. It's like we could tell him beforehand and be the nice guys, or we'll just goof with him and be like, oh, that doesn't count. You didn't do this. Well, when you know the guy and you know you can mess with him, it's a lot yeah, more fun. Exactly. And, yeah. yeah. And and like I was saying, he's a really great fighter, and it was one of those class aspects. It's like, oh, you're going to call lightning? Well, you didn't follow it by this. Okay, through gear, Dan. All right. Oh, second time. Oh, that was finger guns. That wasn't right. He's like, just he's like, I'm I'm over this. Well, it's like I'm done. You mentioned some of the changes from seven to eight earlier. I think that this was one of the positive things that came from that. Was you know, spells were very specific back then. Even yeah. even down to the hand gestures you were making, right? And yeah. this this ties back into our old school D and D. You know, verbal and semantic components mm -hmm. to to all of the spells and I don't want to make it sound more complex than it was. It's not like we were having to draw figures in the air with our fingers or anything, but there were some spells like this one that you're, you're using yeah, as um, an example here that I would like it. If all assassins had to make Naruto hand signs to do any of their abilities, that would be fun for me. Oh, V nine crew. Are you listening to this? Don't. Yes. We need to, someone post this up. <laughs> <laughs> That V9 is going to be out for years and years. Someone's going to go back and listen to this and go, man, we could have had Naruto hand signs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I step into the shadows and you have to run with your hands behind you. Tick, 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 tick. Yeah, I was about to say, you've, you've got to do the Naruto run to get in, in sub. I would I would be down for that. We actually have Z at our park who I, I've, I've bragged on in previous episodes, but uh, she does do that a little bit and it's it's all in character. It's a great role play and it's fun to see. Z is Z is a great character. Absolutely, <laughs> she she does play the ninja role. It's like, and and not just on field. She'll be like standing behind somebody you probably won't even notice for five minutes until she she peeps a small word and you're like, I didn't even know she was here. Well, she assassinated you during our <sighs> virtual coronation. Like you didn't even know she was in your home, did you? No. Okay, so this is actually a funny one. I'm gonna I'm gonna derail things for a second. She, so somehow, and I think. Vidalia like helped her park down the street and brought her in the back door because we're doing, you know, virtual coronation online. Yeah. I think you might have been there. We had so many people that like the room filled up pretty quickly. But Z was in my house for a full hour, hour and a half. I don't know. I'm <laughs> midway through the awards and there are a lot of awards. And uh, I'm sitting there talking and I can see myself in the small webcam in the bottom corner and I'm talking and I'm like, that's weird. My kid's in the background doing something. I ignore it. Keep doing the awards. 
And then I just feel a, a, a really light tap on my back. And I turn around and Z standing there in full garb, you know, looking, looking all ninja like. Yeah. And as soon as I turn around, she's like, Psh, runs off. And I'm like, I got assassinated at a digital mid range. How? And the funniest part about this is that my champion, who also happens to be Z's um, significant other, yeah, he's the kingdom champion, Heralder, and he's like, this is going to be the safest mid range ever. I don't even have to worry about checking gear or anything, and I have to check people as they come in the door. It's gonna be, it's gonna be awesome. Nobody, no way, no, nobody's getting assassinated because it's all digital. And I mean, as the words were leaving his mouth, you got assassinated. Yep, it was, it was. Um, <laughs> I, I'm gonna say ironic, but I don't know if I'm using that correctly. It was, it was hilarious. I think he was in on it too. I don't think that he was. You know what? I'm gonna have to ask him. Because if he was, he had the best poker face. But I genuinely don't think he knew. No, I, Haralder doesn't have a poker. Haralder, I love you, man. There's no poker face there. No. <laughs> well, so hey, we're we're always looking for you know the next guest to have on. We're trying to get people from around the game or even from around the kingdom. You know, I could we could interview everybody from Radiant Valley and and you know put out two months worth of content. But we want to get interesting people that are, are are further out that have a wider reach. Who would you recommend that we have on next? You know, honestly, I, I, one of the people that I really like seeing at events, um, and she was gone for a while, Seth Real. I think she's from the Chattanooga group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's, they've been up and down, and she's been in the game. She does a lot of great crafting, and she just comes up with great ideas right outside of her, uh, you know, out of the head. Plus, um, she, she was a wonderful, uh, uh, security blanket for me one time when uh, I couldn't stop and I was running in this uh, <laughs> armor of sorts and because most people were you know moving out of the way and I was trying to zigzag and I and I probably zigged when I should have zagged and I accidentally uh, fell on top of her <laughs> and uh, she she she's uh so that's that's one of my other funny stories with Seth Real. she's been in the game a long time she has a lot of great you know history and i think i think she would be a great mind to pick yeah absolutely seth real you heard rabbit we ask our guests to name the episode and you can make it as complex as funny or as interesting as you like what do you want to name your episode oh man you know every year that uh we we at dragon's hollow this is the first year that I've had to miss it. Um, we try and do an Easter quest. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think uh, The Wrath of Rabbit. The Wrath be... of Rabbit. That's good. That sounds like a movie. Yeah, I was going to say, it's. we've got a half movie title there. I mean, it's a bad movie, but it sounds like a movie. It, it, it's one of those directed, not even Netflix. It's like some B-rate streaming service movie. This is this is Monty Python and the Holy Grail, but it's one of those alt versions where it's told from the perspective of the rabbit the whole yeah. time. You can catch it on, uh, I guess, Amazon Prime streaming. Yeah, it it plays out a lot like Watership Down. It's not a recommended watch. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you've been obsessed with Watership Down for a minute. We're going to have to get to the bottom of it at some point. You've, you've made several references to that movie. It's a horrible kid's movie. I mean, it's a kid's movie? Oh, I mean, yeah. When did you? Didn't know that. All right. I had no idea. Hey, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show, Rabbit. We had a lot of fun. It was good talking to you, man. Not a problem, guys. Thanks for having me. 100%. I'm going to take us out. Hey, everybody. um, If you've enjoyed today's podcast, uh, be sure to give us a like, subscribe, uh, you know, click the bell, whatever on YouTube, Spotify, whatever your your podcast listener of choice happens to be. And uh, be sure to give us a follow on Facebook. We're growing the page every day. Uh, we're letting you know about new guests and we're going to start uh, asking what you would like to hear from our guests in the very near future. Thanks, guys. Have a good evening.